This episode contains depictions of child abuse, body horror, murder, and child death. If any of these topics are difficult in any way, please join us on another adventure. Thank you. My head stopped bleeding, so my last excuse for sitting here is gone. The wolf's not coming back, I don't think. That's fair. I don't know if I'd come back for him, either. That's not true. I would have come back. Then again, maybe he's dead. That happens a lot to the people around me. Anyway, I'm walking through the forest by myself now. Not sure where the hell I'm going, but I wasn't sure about that even when there was a road and a truck and a friend. I thought he was a friend. He was mean to me. Isn't that what friends do? Clouds are gathering. I think there's a storm coming on. A fucking storm again. I used to love them when I was a kid, but now, after everything, well... Everything was gray the day everything ended. I'll begin at the beginning. I can't let myself skip ahead, that'd be too easy. Nothing's ever fucking easy. The sky was grey instead of white. That was the first sign something was off. Then, slowly but inevitably, clouds crept in from all sides to cover it. We could see them even from our tiny windows. I'm not afraid of thunderstorms. I wasn't even as a child, but this one felt... wrong. Foreboding, somehow, like it was waiting to rush inside and envelop all of us. I snuck out of my room and over to Maxim's. I helped him wriggle out of his blanket and we wrapped it around both of us. We sat there, huddled on his bed for warmth. At some point I took his hand and started tracing letters on the back of his palm. He let me. I said, what did your mama do when there were storms? I don't know. He said. I never had a mother. Everyone has one. He shrugged. When something shitty enough happens, everything before it stops mattering. When my mama died, I stopped thinking about who she was, so she never existed. That's a fucked up way of looking at things, Moxic. Keeps me sane. Does it, ten kilos? He pulled his hand out of my grip and elbowed me in the ribs. I laughed. He scowled. Fuck, I have to keep going. I'm so close now, I'm almost at the end. The storm finally broke out with a single crack of thunder that sounded much closer to us than I had expected. I flinched a little. Maxim didn't. For all my attempts at being the protector, the older sibling, he stayed calm when I didn't. We sat in silence, letting the noise wash over us. Rain started to fly in through the window. The storm got stronger and stronger by the second. Based on the sounds it was making against the roof, the hail was as big as footballs. Suddenly I had a thought. Shocking, I know, only hurt my head a little bit. I shook the blanket off and got up, 
try not to wince at the stiffness in my leg. The cold and wet always makes my stump ache. Maxim whined and pulled the blanket tighter around himself. Where are you going? I have to check on Katya. She might be scared or something. I'll ask her if she wants to come over here. Katya? The blind girl? I don't think she's scared of anything. She's creepy. Max, so are you. It was really funny to see a ten-year-old raise his middle finger at me. I heard Vera laughing to herself as I passed by her door, and I didn't want to eat shit, so I decided to assume she was fine and keep going. That was when all the lights flickered once and gave out. The grey sky provided just enough light for it to look dusky and hazy inside the hall. I kept going, trying to keep my footsteps quiet for some reason. What was I worried about hearing me? The walk felt like it took thousands of years. For every creaky footstep I took, I could have sworn I heard someone else taking a step behind me. I had the feeling that if I looked back, it would all be over. Whatever was there was more horrifying than anything I'd seen so far. Nasty's carved up body floated to mind and I shook my head trying to dislodge the memory. I was just scaring myself. It was just a storm and a power outage and the hallway. Just the hallway and a holding facility for magical children. What could possibly be creepy about it? Needless to say, by the time I made it to Katya's room, I was scared shitless. The door was open slightly, but I knocked on it to alert her I was there. I didn't want the repeat of last time, both because I didn't want to scare her and because I wasn't in the mood for prophecies. There was no response, so I pushed the door open the rest of the way. Katya was crouched on the floor like she'd been last time, but it looked like she'd finished her drawings. She was arranging the papers in a rough circle. I squinted. What I thought before were just scribbles were coming together in patterns as she placed them on the floor. The circle was growing bigger and bigger, the lines becoming more intricate. It was amazing she'd managed to do all of this with her lack of sight. What are you doing? I asked. She looked up at me. Faced with her blank stare, I suddenly didn't want to know the answer. The end is soon, she said. Can't you feel it, Sasha? A shiver ran down my spine. What are you talking about? They're done with us. She finished arranging her papers. The circle now took up most of the room and the lines combined to look something like flowers or thorns or bones or hands or... I only realized I'd stepped toward it when her hand flew out to stop me. I blinked to clear my head and turned to look at her. Don't. She said softly. You don't want to go to there. Go where? Katya, what are you talking about? What is that thing? I... I saw her look unsure for the first time since we'd met. I found a town. Nothing ever happens there, and that'll be nice for a change. It's a different kind of magic from this one. A, a different world. Wait, what? I can't stay here. Not for this. If I could, I'd take you with me. Katya, what do you mean? Not for this, not for what? I tried to grab her arm, but my arm glanced off of it like it was made of ice. I'm not sure about the details, but it's coming and it'll be bad. 
She took a step toward the circle and then turned back toward me. She smiled awkwardly. She must have been about 14. Let me know how it ends, if you make it, yeah? That's it. Don't. My throat felt choked all of a sudden. Please don't. Please don't. I didn't even know what I was begging her not to do, but... She took a breath and held it like she was preparing to jump in the pool. She spread her arms out around her. She fell backward and I flinched in preparation to see her hit the concrete floor, but it... It melted away around her. The floor wasn't there anymore. She fell through an empty hole into somewhere else. I ran into the circle after her, my prosthetic caught on the papers, and I fell onto my hands and knees into the middle of it. All I felt was sturdy concrete through which a girl had just disappeared. As soon as I fell down, the papers all flew up in a whirlwind around me, flying for a solid minute before settling. When they were on the floor again, the drawings on them just looked like the inane scribbles of a blind girl. I couldn't even picture the patterns I'd noticed before. I stood up, numb. Katya was gone. She literally disappeared through the floor. If I hadn't seen it happen, I wouldn't have believed it. I'm still not sure I do, but the facts were the facts. Katya was gone. There were four of us left. They're singing in the trees. I've been walking for about an hour and it's been following me. It's the same song I heard at the facility. Not for you. Sad fucking song. It's about listing all these nice things like spring coming and flowers blooming and little girls growing up. And then the singer tells the person they're singing to that it's not for them. It'll never be for them because that's not their lot in life. The Russian serfs who made up all these songs were hardcore as shit. I keep hearing that same song, sung by someone younger than me, I think. It's a boy. Nice voice, pretty. I don't know what it means. I don't know why it's here again. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why any of this fucking happened. Fate? Destiny? Just humans being fucked up? Did all of this shit really happen just because I'm unlucky, as Vera would have it? That can't be it. There has to be a reason why I've been traipsing through these fucking woods while my feet rub calluses into boots I stole from a dead man's truck. There has to be a reason why Katya knew that falling through the concrete floor to some other world was better than what came next. There has to be a reason why you died, Ben. Because if there's no preordained reason coming from the magical shit around us, then... Then maybe it was all just my fault. I don't think I'd be able to keep walking if I started thinking that. I don't think my leg would hold my weight. I went back to Maxim's room and you were there. You were standing against the wall, arms crossed, looking uncomfortable like always. Maxime looked even more uncomfortable than you. You were just pointedly not staring at each other until I walked in. You looked up. Sasha. I raised my eyebrows. Something about your face made me scared of you for the first time since we'd met. Ben. 
I need to tell you something. Do we have to do this in front of the kid? I stepped in front of Maxime. One of his hands reached out to grab hold of the edge of my shirt. No, Sasha, you don't... You started to say. The door burst open and a grey man entered. He looked just like all the others in the facility. Grey uniform, grey hair, grey eyes, completely the same. Except he was holding a handgun in one hand. I realized, slowly, like I was watching from underwater, that he was pointing it at me. Maxime screamed somewhere behind me. And then you tackled him, shoving the grey man into the door jam. His head cracked against the corner of the frame with a sharp crack. The same noise that the baton had made swinging into my head as I knelt beside my father's body. The same noise as the thunder made as it crashed outside. The grey man crumpled to the floor just like I had. Just like they had, you looked up. Breathing heavily, a puddle of blood spreading beneath your feet. You looked terrified that you'd finally done something. I took a step towards you even though I didn't want to. It's okay, I said. I held my hands up and felt my shirt start to tug. Maxime hadn't let go. You stared at me into my eyes. Grey met brown. I smiled. It's okay, I repeated. You did it. You did it. You're okay. We're fine. You nodded, shaky. Somehow that look on your face told me everything I needed to know. That wasn't the worst thing that would come out of this night. That wasn't why Katya had needed to run. They've been ordered to kill us all, right? I asked. My voice sounded unfamiliar. You nodded again. Yes, they've said the Union fell. They're tying up loose ends. It's not worth the price of keeping up this facility, and since there's so many of you, there's a higher chance of discovery. I'm going to cut their losses and cover everything up. I nodded back. I could do this. We could do this. We could figure this out. How many of them are there? About a hundred. Fuck. Well, ninety-nine now. I joked weakly. You paused. You considered it. I saw the moment she made a decision, and I didn't realize what it was. God, if I'd realized what it was. You said... Can you go get Vera? We should have all the kids in one place. We can barricade the door, and they might give up on us. Why did I agree to that? Why did I nod and smile and say, yeah, yeah, good idea? What possessed me to do that? Did I really want a source of authority that badly? Did I just want someone that wasn't me to make the plans for once? Did I want someone else to be in charge of the train car that was barreling towards a cliff? Does it matter why I did it? I did it. That's what happened. No changing it now. I nodded. I smiled. I said what I said. I pulled away from Maxime's grasp. I turned and looked into his little face and said, I'll be right back, don't worry. Don't leave me. He hissed, eyes wide. You'll be fine. Stay here with Ben. I left the room. I left the room. I left the room. Vera was laughing when I reached her door. Louder now. I didn't want to open it. I didn't want to see her. I did, anyway. She was crouched in the corner. Her frame was bigger than I remembered. Her limbs longer. Her bushy hair was falling over her face and... 
her hair had been shaved. All of our hair had been shaved when we got to the facility. The door creaked. Her head snapped up, her eye finding mine. Her eye. Her eye. One of her eyes was gone. It just wasn't there. Like a bad photo trick, a smooth spot on her face. It was impossible to even imagine an eye had ever been there. She stared at me. A girl with one eye and she grinned. There were more teeth in that grin than any human should have had. I stumbled back out of the doorway. When I slipped and fell, I wasn't sure if it was her fault or mine. I blinked and she was right in front of me. I leaned away, holding myself up on my elbows where I was sprawled on the floor. Vera? No. She said, in a voice that was much older than she was, leaning closer so our faces were almost touching. Try again. I swallowed. Licha? They shoot, they score! This is bad luck for you, little child. What is? I asked, apparently not scared enough to shut up. Seeing you? She... It... Laughed. <laughs> yes. But your bad luck began when you left the room. What? Her voice rose suddenly back to her usual octave. She sounded like a teenager again as she screamed into my face. Maxim, Sasha! You left him in there! You shut the door on him and left! You left him with that English! You left him! You left him! Bad luck for you! Dread flooded through my body and before I realized what I was doing I shoved her off of me. There was a moment where her eye blazed with anger and then she broke out laughing again, rolling over in the middle of the hallway floor. I didn't have time for her. I ran back to Maxime's room. I couldn't control my prosthetic anymore. Suddenly, it didn't matter. I forced it to move, shoving it one step forward, two, three. I had to get there. She was lying. It was lying. Maxime was fine. He was just a kid, just a boy. You wouldn't. I shoved the door open. The first thing I saw was the back of your head. I was breathing heavily by then, so you undoubtedly heard me come in. You didn't turn around. Then, I asked. My voice shook. I didn't want to see the rest of the room in front of you. I had to. I had to. You said. I pushed past you. Maxime was gasping for breath in a puddle of red. More and more of it was gurgling out of the slit in his throat. I didn't feel my knees as I fell onto them, I didn't feel anything at all as I scooped Maxim into my lap using one of my hands to cover his neck like I could fix it, maybe I could fix it, maybe I'd come in time. He put one of his small hands on my face, he looked into my eyes, his stare was so intense and he was trying to tell me something and I couldn't hear what it was but it sounded like, it sounded like he was saying, it's you. I didn't have time to wonder what that meant. His hand fell away, his eyes went glassy, and far outside the vicinity there was a screech of anger and of pain. I turned back to you. What I felt at that moment wasn't betrayal. I'd never trusted you, so how could I have felt betrayed? I just felt a grim sort of satisfaction that you had lived up to the standards I had set for you. I'd built you a box 
to bury yourself in, and you laid down and helped me nail the lid shut. I looked at you. You were so beautiful. Why? I asked. I needed a blood tie to get them here. You said, completely calm. I need them here. You'll understand, I need the magic and it isn't working for me. They'll come now, I'll be able to bargain with any of them. From the room down the hall there was a sharp shriek of laughter. <laughs> and then the roof flew off. The walls exploded out. The world collapsed. The world collapsed around me. And the last thing I saw was gray eyes. I've reached a clearing, and there's a little log cabin here, with large furrows around the base of the walls. I've read this story. I've read all of these stories, but even people who aren't Russian know this old bitch. God, I know she'll be pissed to see me after I let... After everything. But... This isn't an invitation that you can say no to. Let's see if this works. Hut, turn your back to the forest and your front to me. Fucking of course. This episode of Go I Know Not Whither stars Thomas Malinowski, Logan Kim, Allison Hurley, Tessa Padromo, and B-Bell. It was written by Thomas Malinowski and edited by Olivia Spreen. Cover art is by our friend Sasha. You can find them on Instagram at at an art post a week. Special thanks to our patrons, Tessa Padromo, James Harper, Jennifer Perlet, and John Ashley Mulvaney. Also, thank you to Vals Vignotskovsky. If you'd like to support Go I Know Not Wither and any future podcasts, check us out on our Patreon and on our Instagram at at Malinowski and Spreen. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. For a fun family activity, try drawing a circle and jumping through it. Go on, try. What's the worst that could happen? We'll see you next time, as we go we know not whither, to find we know not what.